Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going to start a series today that we want to do for a while. And the series is about change. Let me just say this. Um, change is very, very difficult, isn't it? Isn't it difficult? Isn't changing difficult for most of us? What a lot of us do is this. A lot of us, we, we begin when we're smaller and we go through our lives developing these patterns in our life either patterns of how we deal with things, patterns of how we deal with people, things that we do, things that we say. We develop these patterns. And in order to change those things, you need things that more than likely you don't have. It's just like this guy on the video. He, he, he obviously had a monkey on his back. And people kept trying to tell him that. The guy kept trying to tell him that, yet he wouldn't listen because he didn't recognize it. Today we're going to talk about ways that we recognize the need for change. But you guys, change is very difficult. It's so interesting because do you know what the difference between people that are saved and their behavior and people that are unsaved and their behavior? When you look at research, you know what the difference is? Very little. Very little. There's very little difference between people that claim to follow Christ and people that do not go to church, do not claim to follow anything. There's very little difference in the behavior of people that are saved and people that are unsaved in this time. I don't know if you guys realize that or not. And here's the situation that I see going around everywhere. I see people that are walking around all the time with things in their life, with monkeys on their back. And there's a problem because, and I brought a scripture with me here today. John 10 says this, and I think we have it up there. John 10 says, says the thief these purposes to steal and kill and destroy. And this is what the scripture says. It says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. Now, if I were to do a test today, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I were going to do a test today, and I were to ask you, are you having a rich and satisfying life? Like I said, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you would honestly say, yes, I am having a rich and satisfying life. How many of you could probably say that? How many of you could say yes? And the reason I'm having a rich and satisfying life is because I'm following Christ. How many of you could honestly say that? I would bet that if I were to ask people to stand up who could say that, we would have less than 10 people stand up. And I want to get you to understand something. That should not be the case with people who are following Jesus. Jesus spoke and said, I came. The reason he came, the reason he died, the reason that God himself came in the flesh and showed himself to us, one of the reasons is so that we could have that type of life. And the majority of us are not living that type of life. And the reason why the majority of us are not living that type of life is because the majority of us are either unable or unwilling to change certain patterns and behaviors that we have in our life. 
we're unwilling or unable to do that. And those same patterns and behaviors actually build a wall around us. And we think it insulates us from being hurt, but it doesn't. It actually traps us in a cage. And that's how we go through life. And so I thought it would be good for the next five, six, seven weeks, ever how long God just, he'll, he'll, we may tear here for three months, I don't know. But ever how long it takes, I want us to walk through the process of change. I want us to walk through the process of what it looks like to change. I want to identify the change. That's what I hope we did a little bit today. Listen, I want to talk about some of the baggage that comes, some of the monkeys on our back. I want to talk about aligning our, our life with what God's word says about us. One of the biggest things you can do, and I love what Tony Evans says about this, one of the biggest things you can do to change, and here's a little bit of preview, one of the biggest and best things you can do to change is to remember what God's word says about you. That's one of the biggest things you can do to change, is to remember what God's word says about you. One of the biggest things you can do is that. So we want to take a look at what it looks like to win the battle of change. We want to take a look at the reasons behind we need, well, that we need to change. And we also want to take a look at what it looks like to have permanent change occur. If we're honest, the majority of us only change whenever we're forced to. Isn't that true? I've seen so many people in marriages. This is crazy. I never have understood this. But there'll be, they'll be a husband or a wife, and they'll be in a bad marriage, all right? What they proclaim is a bad marriage. And I've seen this over and over again. And, and the husband or the wife will end up leaving one another. And the first thing that both of them do is they go to the gym. They go to counseling and they go to the gym. And they get in shape and they want to get spiritually and emotionally in shape and they go to counseling. And I just want to tell them, I want to say, you know, if you would have went to the gym and the counseling, you may still be married. That may have helped you out a little bit. But the majority of us, we only change when we're forced to. That's the facts. Even though we know that in John 10, 10, it says that he came so that we could have a life. And another, another thing says abundantly. Over, and, and, and the text there literally means, it literally means that your life is to be something that literally overflows onto other people. It literally, you have joy to the point where you're overflowing unto other people. That's what it means. So, before we start the series, I want you to do this. And this may be difficult for some of you. I want you, if you haven't yet, I, I want you, right now where you're sitting, to think of that one thing that you know that you need to change. What is that one thing that you know that you need to change? What is it? What is that one thing that you know that you need to change? And I want to ask you to do something else. I see some people here with notebooks, and that's fantastic. And listen, don't be looking on other people's notebooks if they have them, but um, I want you to do this. I know, right? I know. I told those kids the other night, I was like, yeah, I cheated in high school. You know, when in doubt, look about. That's what I used to do. Um, so it's better to cheat than to repeat, right? Um, it's not. Don't do that. Um, don't do that. I... I failed algebra like twice, and so I couldn't even spell algebra, but uh, anyway, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not kidding you guys. Let's, I mean, let's just pause for a second. When math started using, went from numbers to letters, 
I checked out. I was like, all right, man. I was with you when the numbers, when the letters came up, I'm history. Um, what is that one thing? Most of us here have a phone, all right? Most of us here have a phone. And most of our phones have a notepad in it. It says notes on it. If you don't have a pen and paper with you today, I want you to take your phone out, like right now. I want you to take your phone out. And I want you to open up the notes section, all right? Now, don't be looking on other people's notes, okay? That's tacky. Open up your notes, think about it, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down the one thing, the one thing that you know, that you know that you need to change. The one thing that you know is holding you back from being, listen, that's holding you back from being the best that you can be for God. The one thing that's holding you back so that you can be the best you can be for God. The one thing that when you get going always seems to trip you up and make you fall. What is that one thing? What is that one thing that you know that you need to change? And then what, here's what I want you to do. As we go through this series over the next five, six, seven weeks, as we go through this series, I want you to then begin to follow some of the things that God reveals to you through this series and to begin to make immediate steps in learning to change that particular behavior, that particular sin, that particular thing. I want you to really, really work for the next five, six, seven weeks. Because it's worthless for me to come up here and to tell you that God wants you to change and to tell you, oh, you know, in order to change, this is some of the things you need to do. And for you to take it in notes, you write it down, put the notebook away, and you go about your life and you still have the same thing that you had before. That's worthless. What is that one thing that you know you need to change? It's fantastic. It's always great to know the perfect people because those are the people that didn't write anything down. <laughs> all right? Thank you all three for, I'm just kidding. Um, so, hey, y'all, listen, why did I have you do that? Well, let me tell you why I had you do that. Let me tell you why. Because, and this is our first point, how do we find out about needing to change? Well, here it is. The first one is this. Sometimes, sometimes the need to change is known. Sometimes it's known. Sometimes you know. You just know. You've lived with that thing so long. You know what I mean? You've, you've, uh, I told you guys one time that you know, living with some stronghold in your life is like you know, going to jail and, and, and you know, putting up curtains, uh, putting a rug out, you know what I mean? Decorating things up, putting up pictures, and you have made the jail so comfortable that you probably don't even want to leave because it's become home. Well, a jail's never meant to be home, and a stronghold's never meant to be home. It's never meant to be that way. A lot of us, we already know what needs to change. There's a scripture, there's a story uh, in the scriptures about a guy. Um, I'll give you a hint who it was. He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. All right? He was. And so he knew, he knew before he ever encountered Jesus that he needed to change. He knew he did. He knew the kind of, listen, don't forget Zacchaeus, although he's seen as sweet and awesome in the scriptures and the wee little man, and you know, you used to do the little felt boards and all that kind of stuff, he actually was a traitor to his own country. And he would charge people five, six, seven, eight times what they owed in taxes. As a matter of fact, Zacchaeus wasn't just a normal tax collector, he was over all the other tax collectors. And so he would get mega bucks through tax collecting. He was a traitor to his own country. 
to the same people that he was supposed to care about, to his neighbors, to his friends, to his family. He was a traitor. That's how he made his money. And he knew that he needed to change. And the text tells us this. It tells us that when Jesus was walking along, and it's really cool because Wendy actually went this summer to Israel and actually saw the actual alleged kind of tree like that. Uh, and he, she, she actually saw the actual tree um, uh, that supposedly he was in. Um, and so it says that he decided he needed to seize Jesus so much that he went up and climbed up because he was a short. He was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And so he climbed up the tree in order to get a glimpse of Jesus. Can I tell you something? Anyone who's in sin, anyone who's in sin and goes to the point where they would embarrass themselves. This guy was supposed to be honorable. This guy was supposed to be rich and powerful. He was the guy. He was, he was over the tax collectors. And yet he humbled himself and he decided to climb up a tree embarrassed that he was too short. He climbed up a tree so that he could see Jesus. Can I tell you something? Anyone who's willing to humble themselves and climb up a tree like that, they know that they've got a problem. They know they have a problem. And a lot of us know that we have a problem. You've had the problem as long as you can remember. As long as you can remember, this has been an issue in your life. And I'm not sure what it is. It may be anger. Uh, it may be jealousy. It may be rage. It may, there's all kinds of things that can be an issue in your life. And what's happened is, is this, what's happened is, is that it is turned into, an, from an issue, it is turned from an issue into a stronghold. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between having an issue in your life and having a stronghold in your life? Well, let me tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is where people used to go. They used to go up in the mountain cliffs. There were these caves that they would go into. And it was a fortified place. It was, it was fortified so enemies, if they were coming up to get you, you could not be gotten because they would kill you as you were coming up. It was a stronghold. It was a place of safety. All right. The only problem with a stronghold is, though, is that it would box you in. That's what a stronghold would do. And when the text talks about a stronghold, it talks about this. And we've talked about this before. It is, it is literally, the scripture literally says that it is a divide that happens in your mind. It is the divide that happens in your mind where God's word is on one side and your thoughts on this issue is on the other side and the, the thought on the issue can't change because there's a, there's a divider in the middle. There's a divider in the middle that will not allow you to see what the truth is of the situation. And the only way to see what the truth of the situation oftentimes is for Jesus himself to reveal it to you. And that's a stronghold. It's something that affects your life. It's something that you think about every day. It's something that literally oftentimes will run your life. When we're supposed to be focused on our kids, our family, we're supposed to be focused on God, we're supposed to be focused on our walk with Christ, we're supposed to be focused on overflowing to other people, it's a stronghold. And literally it's there, and we're going to talk about this next week, but literally it's like a huge heavy weight that you carry around all the time and you don't want to talk about it to anybody. That's a stronghold. It's a divide in your mind where one side can't talk to the other side. And you have to tear that down. That's why the scripture talks about tearing down everything, and listen, that comes up, that's actually built up, is what it says, that built up against the knowledge of God, is what it says. And that's what it's talking about. It's talking about a stronghold. It's exactly what it's talking about. A lot of us, you guys, we already know. We already know the situation, and we know exactly what we need to change. The second one is this, you guys. Sometimes other people have to tell us. Sometimes other people 
have to tell us. In the in 2 Samuel, there's a story, and if you have your Bibles turned there, 2 Samuel, starting in verse 12, we have the scripture up there, but if you have your Bibles turned there, 2 Samuel, starting in verse uh, starting in verse 12, chapter 12, 2 Samuel, here's what it says. Let's read it. It says, so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. Now, let's stop there because I want to tell you what's going on. David, David has actually, has actually taken Bathsheba, all right, sent her husband to the front line so that he can be killed, and he is killed. David has taken Bathsheba as his wife, and he wants to be, he wants her to be his wife, so he takes her and sends her husband to the front lines. The first, the first, as, it, as this story opens up, it says this. It says, at the time when kings were off at war, at the time when kings were to be at war, guess where David was? He was at home. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't even supposed to be there. But he was there. He was there. And he looked down on Bathsheba, and he sinned. And he sent her husband to the front line, and he was killed. He did that on purpose. And so Nathan comes to him. A confidant of his comes to him and says this. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal for his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. David says, as surely as the Lord lives, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs, not one, not two, four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole, and for having absolutely no pity. And then this is the part that Nathan says to David. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. It's you who took what another man had and cherished. He had one, you had multiple, and you took his instead of taking from your own Wealth. Nathan went and told David that it was him. Can I tell you guys something? Oftentimes it is difficult to hear from someone else that you yourself have a problem. All right? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've been doing, I've done student ministry for a long time. It is so difficult for me as a pastor to tell a parent that their kid has an issue. Now, let me say this. Sitting here today, every one of you would say, man, that wouldn't be difficult for me. Shoot, I'll straight beat my kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, I tell you what, he's going to listen. And if he don't listen, then whoever's there needs to take care of him. And, and I'll tell you one thing. And, and so we go on and on here. while we're, It sounds really good here. You know, we're all kumbaya here, right? We're all on, oh yeah, Pastor Barry thinks my kid's doing something or Pastor Barry thinks I'm doing something then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Well, we'll, we're gonna change that. But I'm gonna tell you guys something. In application, one of the most difficult things a pastor has to do 
is to tell someone that there's an issue either with their kid or with themselves. It is. Do you know what traditionally happens? You know what traditionally happens? You shoot the messenger. You do. You shoot the messenger. That's what happens when people come to us and want to talk to us about something that they view as an issue. You shoot the messenger. That's why Proverbs says this. Proverbs 27, I think we have that. Proverbs 27 says, Wound, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend. Wounds from, let me tell you guys something. It is difficult as a person to tell someone else that there's an issue. It is. It's difficult. It's very difficult. And oftentimes, because of our defensiveness, because what we do is, and especially if it's about our kids, we think that if our kids are having a problem, that's a reflection on us, that we're a bad parent. What we hear, what, this is what we say. What I say is, is, hey, I think little Johnny may have an issue with anger that needs to be talked about because he's, he's hit four kids in the eye, punched one in the throat, and he's trying to choke me out as, as I talk to you on the phone, all right? And so, on the, and that's what I say. Now, on the other end, here's what you hear. I just want to call and let you know that you stink as a parent, all right? Your kid's running ruckus up here, and no one can control them, and apparently you can't either. You sorry loser. All right, I got to go by. That's what you guys hear. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. And what you find is, is oftentimes... Oftentimes, the reason you hear something different than what was said is because of some things in your own life, some insecurities in your own life. You mean, you mean, no, there he goes. Good, good, good. Sometimes, you guys, you have to allow other people to speak into your life. Now, let me say this. If you just met this person like a week ago, all right, you met them a week ago at work and you're hanging out with them, after a week they go, hey man, can we go to lunch? Yeah, man, let's go to lunch. And you thought you were going to talk about the new job and they're like, man, I need to tell you something, all right? You got an anger problem and blah, blah, blah. Look, kick that to the curb, all right? The scripture doesn't say anyone who comes along and tells you you've got an issue, they can be trusted. It doesn't say that. Another text is this, wounds from a friend can be trusted. I want you to hear that. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. They can be trusted. I'm talking about people that have went to battle with you and for you. I'm talking about people you've known for a long time. I want you to understand something. The majority of people will never tell you if something's going on with you because they don't care. Are you with me? They don't care. You're not important to them. You're not important to their life. People who care enough to tell you that you have an issue or that something's going on in your life or they see something, people that care enough to tell you that, you need to listen to them because they are, listen, they are loving you enough to tell you. But oftentimes we don't want to hear that. And David did not want to hear that. He did not want to hear that it was him. He was the one that had done this awful thing. But Nathan loved him enough to come and say, hey man, what you're doing. And he could have been killed. Nathan could have been killed. David was a king. What you're doing is not right. What you're doing is not right. You know, 
I had just gotten, uh, I was engaged and I went down. Uh, what I thought I was doing is I thought I was going down over Easter uh, to hang out with Wendy and her family. What I did do is I ended up helping them move. All right, it was a ploy. I thought I was going down to hang out with the family. I ended up hurting my back, you know, lifting up heavy furniture. Wendy's dad was a doctor and they had heavy furniture. I mean, I'm not talking about like, you know, we're not talking about big lots here, all right? We're talking about like, yeah, something expensive, whatever, Haverty's or whatever it is. Yeah, something like that. Um, I went down there and I'll never forget it because I hadn't spent much time around Wendy's mom uh, very much and um, she didn't like me very much uh, back then. Uh, and, and she actually uh, said some negative things about me to Wendy. And, you know, she said a few things and I was like, wow. Um, and I got really upset. I got really upset. And, and the worst part about it was, was that Wendy kind of agreed with her. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we got engaged a couple months earlier. And, and you know, like I t- I've told you guys this in a previous message, my whole goal between getting engaged and getting married was don't screw this up. All right, that was my whole goal. My whole goal was, is, okay, I've tricked her to this point. Just don't screw it up, all right? Until December 30th is the cutoff day. Don't screw this up. And so she wanted to talk to me, and I could tell her mom was, you know, she wanted to talk to me, and so she started, you know, talking to me stuff, and I was like, I was crushed. And, and it's amazing because one of the things that I thought in my mind, she's telling me, hey, you know, this issue is kind of an issue, and all I'm hearing is, is, I don't love you anymore. I can't stand you. You're out of here. Go back home after you get that final box. Go back to the house. You know, drive home. Go back to, you know, after you move that, uh, get out of here. We don't want you to be here. You can't be part of it. That's all I heard. Let me tell you why I heard that. I heard that because at that time, I thought that love was was conditional. I thought that everyone's love was conditional. I had been raised to know that, to say that. See, because if you love someone and they mess up, then you have to withdraw from them. Does that make sense? You guys, anybody have to do that? You know, when you love someone, you love them, and then they mess up, and then you withdraw everything from them, and you withhold from them any kind of relationship until you've decided that they've paid a penalty. And then once they've paid the penalty, you re-engage with them. And that's what I was raised... But Wendy wasn't raised that way. She was raised the opposite. And so I told her, I was honest with her. I said, well, you know, I guess it's, I guess it's over. She goes, what's over? I said, this whole thing, you know, I spent like two grand on a ring, drove to Texas to move this loser. So anyway, I was like, I guess it's over. She goes, what are you talking about? Like she was blown away. What are you talking about? I'm like, I just, you know, I guess it's over. She was like, no, no, it's not over. I'm just telling you some things that you need to work on. I know, but if I need to work on them, then you'll withdraw. No, I'm not going to withdraw. I'm going to be right here and, you know, we'll work on them together. I'd never been told that in my life. See, she loved me enough to tell me areas that I need to change in. Can I be honest with you guys and tell you this? There's some husbands and wives here where the husband or the wife is afraid to tell the husband or the wife that they need to change some things. There are, right here today, I guarantee it. I guarantee you there's things right now that your wife or husband is afraid to tell you because of your reaction. But the scripture says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. Sometimes we already know what we need to change, but sometimes others have to point it out to us. And finally, sometimes God points it out. Sometimes God points it out. There was a man that the scripture calls the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler had kept all of the scriptures, he had kept everything. I'm talking about everything right down the line. He had kept it. 
and he came to Jesus, and he came kind of haughty. He came like, so, teacher, what do I have to do to get eternal life? He had kept everything perfect. And so Jesus, knowing his heart, said this. He said, well, you need to, and he started listing out things. All the commandments, you need to do this. And the guy said, hey, listen, I've already kept all that. Not only that, I've kept this stuff over here too. I've kept it all. So I'm in, right? And Jesus says, oh, oh, oh. there's just one other thing. Uh, go sell everything you own, all right, and give it away and follow me. And the scripture says this, the scripture says, and with that, the man dropped his head and walked away. And it says this, because he was a man of much wealth. What is it that Jesus was pointing out to him? Jesus wasn't pointing out to him, you need to keep this commandment and this commandment and this commandment. See, what Jesus did is what Jesus often does. And it's this. He went straight to the heart of the matter. He went straight to the heart of the matter. He bypassed all the legalism that the guy had. He bypassed all the rules and regulation. He bypassed everything that the guy thought made him holy. He bypassed all of that. And he says, you want to follow me? Then I want it all. I want all of it. And for that man, for the rich man, all of it meant selling everything he owns because that, listen, that is where his treasure was. That was what was, was most important to him. That was where his value came from. And Jesus said, no, I don't want you to get your value from this. I want you to get it from me. And I want you to give those things up. Now, it's funny. I've told you guys about people that do this. There's a lot of people that think that, you know, and I've had people tell me, well, if I start following Jesus, I'm going to have to sell everything I have. I said, well, why would you do that for? Well, that, that, that thing in the scripture where it says, if you want to follow me, you got to sell everything you own. I said, that was kind of directed at one guy. I said, let me tell you something. If your heart, if your heart is surrounded by stuff, then do it. But if it's not, Jesus wasn't talking to you. There's other things in your heart that he's going to want you to do. Sometimes, you guys, God has to point it out. My brother, my brother, my brother got in a huge fight with his wife. I mean, a huge fight with his wife. It was his fault. My, my, wife, my, my sister-in-law is perfect. But uh, anyway, uh, my brother's kind of a, a dork. Anyway, so, but he got into a huge fight with his wife. I'm talking about one of those. You guys know when you first get married and first have kids and the kids get so frustrating. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. Wendy and I, per we have never done this ever, so this is not us. My brother, who's not as holy as me, he's done this stuff a lot. But my brother got so mad that he slammed the door, grabbed the keys, slammed the door. And actually, it's really funny. He slammed the door, went out to the car, forgot his keys, had to come back in, get his keys, slam the door again, and come back out. He jumped in his car, and he took off driving. He was mad. I mean mad. Gripping the steering wheel real tight. He was so mad. He was driving. And he went to Percy Priest Lake. He went out to the lake. He just wanted to sit there and stew for a while. And it's funny because he pulled up. He got out of the car and walked up and took a rock and threw it into the lake. And about that time, a family came up. 
and there was a mom and a dad and two little kids. And the dad was throwing the kid up in the air, and the dad was loving on the kid. And he was over there loving on the kid and loving on his wife. And my schmuck of a brother was over there throwing a rock because he was so mad at his wife. And he said, he told me a story, he said, immediately, he said, God, I get it. I hear what you're saying. I'm going to go back home. And he went back home, and he's never done that since. I don't know if you guys ever had a situation like that. I've gotten mad at Wendy before and gotten in the car. And even on talk radio, they're playing love songs. You ever had that? You ever had that happen? You ever had that happen? You're driving, you know, it's like rock music, rock 103. And they start playing like, you know, Richard Marks. You know what I mean? I mean, you're driving, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be today's hits. And all of a sudden they're playing, you know, Journey, you know, Open Arms. I'm sitting there going, lying beside you. How are you going to be mad when Journey's on? Can I tell you guys something? God uses, God uses every single thing at his disposal to reveal to you things that you need to change in your life. He does that. He reveals things so that you, that you need to change. Sometimes you already know what it is. Sometimes people have to tell you what it is. But a lot of the time, God himself reveals it to you. We sang the song right before we came up here. And it's a song called He, he Won't Relent. And the song says this. The song says, he's not going to relent until he has it all. And then, and then the song sings back, and it says, my heart is yours. He's not going to relent until he has it all. And I'll tell you today, guys, he's not going to relent until he has it all. We can come in here every week. We can come in here every week, and we can come in here, stay the same, and leave. And next week, we're going to talk about some baggage, but we can bring our baggage in here, hang out with it, and then go and leave. And then the next week, come back. But here's the thing I want you to know. If you're following Christ and you're not changing, then you're dying. If you're following Christ and you're not changing, chances are you're not following Christ. You may be following something, you may be following real church. You may be following religion. You may be following coming to a worship service. But if you're following Christ, you will change. I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked you to begin with. What is it? What is it that God wants you to change? What is it that he has spoke to you about? What is it that hopefully you wrote down in your, on your notebook or in your phone. What is it that's keeping you and keeping me from being the best, the best that we can be for God? We're gonna answer some of those questions and I'll tell you this. If you truly wanna change, I'm gonna encourage you today to go home 
and to say, God, I have no idea what's going to happen in the next five or six weeks, but I do know this. I've dealt with this thing for so long that I'm tired of it. This thing has its own room in my house, all right? I'm ready to evict it. I've dealt with this one thing so long that I'm tired of doing it. I'm driving my family crazy, you know? I'm driving myself crazy, and I'm, I'm tired of it. I want to I wanted deal with this right now. And if you ask him to show you how to do it, I promise you that he will. I promise you that he will. And I want to encourage you to take that thing and over the next five or six weeks to apply some of the principles that I'll be teaching you and that God will be revealing. Take some of those things and hopefully walk in freedom the way God intended you to be. Hopefully, by the end of the series, you'll be overflowing and living an abundant life. Let me pray for y'all. God, I'm thankful for this group of people that love you enough to get up and come here. I'm thankful for the fact that they have a heart and passion for you. I'm thankful, God, that you are the revealer of things. God, sometimes things that you reveal are just difficult. They're just difficult, and, and, and they're, they're frustrating sometimes. They're, they're difficult sometimes because we know deep down that we need to change. We know, Holy Spirit, you actually speak to us. You speak to us. You speak to us about needing to change. And we hear you, but sometimes it's just so hard. It's much easier sometimes just to be the same OU. But God, you don't want us to be the same OS. We see time and time again in the scriptures, God, where you took someone who was one thing, and by the end of their life, they were something totally different. And the cool thing is, God, is that anything we do is not to make us look better, but it's all to make you look better. It's all about your glory and your honor and your praise. And so, God, today, I pray that you would reveal to people what it is, that one thing they want to change. And I just thank you so much for what you're going to do during this series. I thank you so much that at the end of this series, we're going to see people, and people are going to be saying, hey, listen, man, that day you said to write something down, this is what I wrote down, and I'm going to tell you right now, I am six or seven, I am six or seven weeks into this thing, and I am starting to feel freedom. God, that's what your plan is. And Lord, we look forward to seeing what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's stand and worship. Let's stand and sing one last song. I appreciate you guys coming so much. I hope God's spoken to you today. Let's stand up and let's sing. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.